Okay, you'll notice um, from the slide, uh, the material that you have in your book, dealing with a, a more um, fuller explanation of the lymphatic system, I don't do anymore. We don't need to worry. In fact, the, the, the bottom half of the one page is what we've already done when we took a look at the lymphatics in the upper extremity, took a look, take a look at the ones that were associated with the axillary region. And we have a very, I, I don't include the lymphatics anymore in, in doing this. We've, we've touched on it enough when we looked at the upper, when we look at the lower extremity, we'll look at the lymphatics in that spot too. But the general explanation of it really goes outside of the area that we're looking at in this, in this course, which is the upper extremity and the lower extremity. So that being said, we'll go down to the lower extremity. And here are some of the characteristics of uh, the lower extremity. The muscles and bones are going to be modified for bearing weight and for movement. We know that. So the bones are going to be thicker. They're going to be heavier in order to accommodate for that. Muscles are going to be larger and more powerful. They're for locomotion. They're for posture and balance. So they'll be far heavier, far stronger muscles in the lower extremity. We don't need as much in the way of nerve sensitivity in the lower extremity as we do in the upper extremity. We're a little bit less sensitive down in the lower extremity. Vessels are going to have to be larger to supply the larger muscles in the region. And of course, the foot is going to be modified for us to stand and to move compared to the, compared to the hand. So those are some of the differences between the, the lower and the upper extremity. They're pretty straightforward. And you can understand that you need larger muscles for locomotion. You don't, need, you don't need the same sensitivity in the nerve supply, and you need the larger vessels in order to accommodate, to supply the larger muscles. All right, so that's what we're looking at. Now, when we're in this region, uh, we're going to have to take a look at it, and, we'll, and we won't come back to it, but we need to look at it because it's there. This is a look at the external abdominal oblique muscle. We're not doing the obliques, the abdominal muscles in this course. This is the most external one, and you notice that um, over on the lateral side of the muscle, the muscle's going to come from your ribs and then it's going to, on either side, and it's going to come down towards the midline of the body. Muscle fiber direction will be downward and inward this way, but you notice when you get about the midclavicular line on either side, external oblique muscle, and as well as all the other abdominal muscles, they'll lose the muscle fiber and become aponeurosis, that very thin tendon material. The aponeurosis of the external oblique muscle, the bottom edge of it here, forms the inguinal ligament. So the inguinal ligament's going to run from the anterior superior iliac spine, come down and attach onto the tubercle on the pubis. So this is the inguinal ligament. It's the bottom edge of the aponeurosis of the external oblique. And we're in this region here, so we have to mention it. And we also have to mention the reflection of that ligament back along the pectineal line along the pubis here. It's called the lacunar ligament. Comes back ac across this way along the pectineal line from the attachment on the crest. And we'll use the inguinal ligament as a landmark, so we have to describe it. Uh, we'll never come back to the lacunar ligament. So uh, you, we need to describe it because it's in that region. Take a snapshot of the, of the area. It's there, so we need to explain what it is. And that's what it is there. And you can see here, we're going to have the major vessels, the uh, artery that has to come down the, the, um, the, for the lower extremity, coming the, underneath the inguinal ligament. And the major vein that's going to bring venous blood back up has to go underneath the inguinal ligament. We'll take a look at that and where they come from and how they get there. 
Okay? So that, that's an explanation of the lacunar ligament. It's a backward reflection of the uh, inguinal ligament along the pectineal line here, the line across the uh, pubis bone that gives us the attachment for one of the adductor muscles, the pectineus muscle. And we, as I mentioned, we have to mention it because when we take a snapshot of this area, that ligament is there, so we need to look at it. All right, uh, taking a look at superficially, we have a number of cutaneous veins, uh, cutaneous nerves. Here's a look at the kind of schematic look at the one, one of them of the uh, lumbar plexus. So we're looking at the nerves coming off of the region of the lumbar vertebrae between lumbar vertebrae here. And some of these nerves are going to give us then cutaneous distribution, mainly for the medial portion of the thigh region. And so you can see one of the nerves coming off here will be the, in, it will look at the ilioinguinal, we'll take a look at where it goes, it's, a cuta it's cutaneous distribution. We'll take a look at a nerve called the genital femoral. The genital femoral comes in two parts. It comes in a genital part and a femoral part. We're not really interested in the genital part because it goes to the external genitalia for, um, for sensory information. We're, we're interested in the femoral part, so we'll see where that one goes. We're also having coming off this uh, lumbar plexus, you can see a cutaneous nerve for the lateral side of the thigh, so that would be lateral femoral cutaneous. And we're also going to pick up a couple of cutaneous distributions coming off this major nerve of the lumbar plexus, which is the femoral nerve. The femoral nerve has, as one of its responsibilities, uh, sensory distribution for the medial side of the thigh region. And it also has a long one that's going to come up from the medial portion of your uh, ankle, medial, just above your ankle, uh, on the leg. It's called the saphenous nerve, and we'll take a look at that. So what we're looking for is the ilioinguinal and its distribution. The, the femoral of the genital femoral and its distribution, the lateral femoral cutaneous, it's pretty self-explanatory where it's going to go, and we need to pick up a couple of cutaneous distributions out of the femoral. Uh, that's what we're looking for. All right? And this is, a, uh, this is an overall view then, when we're taking a look at it, of the lumbar plexus areas, uh, nerves coming off, ventral rami coming off between lumbar vertebrae. And our major nerve that we're going to have coming off there that'll do a lot of the a motor innervation for the muscles on the front of the thigh when we go into the motor side will be the femoral nerve. And you'll also notice, we might as well mention it now, you also mention, take a look at this obturator nerve. Obturator nerve will be our major nerve to supply the muscles that are going to be traveling down the medial side of the thigh, the muscles for adducting, will be mostly innervated through this obturator nerve. So the femoral and the obturator are two of the large ones coming off of this uh, uh, lumbar plexus that we'll use a few times as we describe muscles. But for now, we're looking at the cutaneous distribution. And so here's a picture of the cutaneous distribution that we mentioned before. Here's the ilioinguinal. The ilioinguinal nerve comes off. It pierces through the abdominal muscle. And you can see, you have a basic idea then where the, uh, the uh, distribution of the ilioinguinal will be. on the medial portion of the thigh here. And we have the genital femoral came in two parts. The genital portion we not, we're not particularly interested in. The femoral portion we are. So once again, we're looking at the upper medial portion of the thigh for cutaneous distribution. Ilioinguinal and the femoral, the genital femoral, are gives us cutaneous uh, coverage in, in this, this, this region here. Then we, we take a look at 
this is, a, this is an overview of the whole thing again here. Once again, here would be my, my ilioinguinal, and it's going to pierce through the abdominal muscle, and then my ilioinguinal will give me cutaneous distribution for the medial portion of the thigh here. And the femoral of the genital femoral, once again, will give me cutaneous distribution for this area of the thigh, the genital portion we're not interested in. Lateral cutaneous, once again, it'll come down over here and be a cutaneous nerve for the lateral aspect of the thigh region. This is a, over on this side of the picture, this is the lumbar plexus that we looked at before. The other one was a little bit uh, cleaner in looking. Uh, in this picture over here, we have, on the other side, we have the sacral plexus. We haven't got that far yet, but this will be the nerves coming off and, and coming out the uh, anterior sacral foramina. And the sacral plexus is on this side of the picture. The lumbar plexus is on this side of the picture. But of course, we have them, right? Lumbar plexus on both sides and sacral plexus on both sides. But they haven't put that. They've, they've split it up in that. Okay. Uh, once again, I'm trying to uh, give you an idea of the cutaneous distribution area coming around here. Now, this is the, these are the two com parts coming from the femoral. The femoral gives off this saphenous nerve. That's this yellow one coming down this way. Saphenous nerve comes all the way down here, and we're not going to use the saphenous nerve until we get to the medial portion of the ankle for cutaneous distribution. So we can leave that one alone. But the saphenous nerve is a nerve that it belongs to the femoral. It's going to bring up sensory information back up this way from an area of your, around the medial portion of the lower portion of the leg and the medial part of your ankle. And also now we have a medial cutaneous component to the femoral. That's the one that's shown in the kind of the darker orange. So once again, we're looking at cutaneous distribution for an area that I've outlined kind of in the dotted line here. So the ilioinguinal, the femoral of the genital femoral, the uh, lateral femoral will be over here more, and the cutaneous associated with the femoral nerve here will all kind of give us cutaneous distribution for this area on the medial portion of the thigh. That's what we were looking at. And once again, we're taking a look at it. We take the skin off. First thing we're going to look at will be the cutaneous nerves that are immediately underneath. That's it. And my dotted line tried to give you the idea of the area that we were talking about for those nerves. Ilioinguinal, femoral of the genital femoral, branch of the femoral nerve, saphenous, which we're not going to use until we get down to the, to the ankle. So that kind of gives you an idea of that, of the distribution there for cutaneous. Okay. And that one gives you a little bit of an idea of the specific distribution for the ilioinguinal and for the femoral and the genital femoral. All right. Next thing we need to do once we take the skin off, the uh, top of your foot is the dorsal surface of your foot, and it will have like the back of your hand, which is the dorsal surface of your hand. It'll have a subcutaneous venous pattern or network on the back, on the top of your foot, the dorsal venous arch here, which is a um, subcutaneous, just underneath the skin. The veins in the lower extremity are going to work the same way as the veins in the upper extremity. That is, you'll have two sets. You'll have a superficial set and a deep set. The deep set will parallel all the arteries we're going to talk about. The superficial set will be these. So from this venous pattern on the top of your foot, we will establish on the medial side, coming in front of the medial malleolus, the great saphenous vein. And we will establish coming from the lateral side of this network on the top of your foot, the smaller or lesser saphenous. Now the lesser saphenous comes back behind the lateral malleolus and tra will travel up the back of the leg. The great saphenous vein comes in front of the medial malleolus and will travel up the medial side of the leg. That way. 
And if we follow that to see where it goes, the great saphenous vein will come up around the level of the knee, maybe about the width of your hand from the medial edge of your patella, your kneecap, is approximately where you'll find the great saphenous vein at the level of the knee. And then the great saphenous vein will travel up the medial side of your thigh. It has to perforate through this envelope of fascia that we have covering the thigh, which we'll talk about in a second. They even have a hole in that fascia to allow the vein to go in. And then the great saphenous vein will empty into the deep set of veins up at this level. And up here, we're looking at the vein called the femoral vein, which will be the deep vein that will accompany the, the uh, femoral artery, which is going to take arterial blood down. Small saphenous vein is going to travel behind the lateral malleolus, travels up the back of the leg, gets to be a level of uh, behind the knee, and at the level of the knee, the, the small saphenous will dump into the deep set of veins on the back of the knee. The deep set of veins at this level here will be called the popliteal vein, which we'll look at when we, when we take the arteries and track them down and see where the arteries change their name and how they divide. All you have to do is to go back the opposite way with the venous system, same names, same um, anatomical landmarks to change their name. So it'll make sense when we get down there. But for now, we're just looking at the, the subcutaneous components of it. So at this level here, the, the small saphenous or lesser saphenous will empty into the deep vein behind the knee, which is termed the popliteal vein. That's as, that's as far as it goes coming that way. You can see that this is somewhat the same as what we had in the upper extremity, where we had the cephalic vein came all the way up to the very top of the axillary vein and dumped in, whereas the basilic vein came up to a little bit past your elbow and then headed deep and emptied into the, and emerged with the brachial veins to give us the axillary vein. Somewhat the same kind of configuration. So these are our superficial veins located in the lower extremity that way. Then, as you can see, it's covered and all covered in white. There's a very dense band or uh, bundle of fascia that goes around uh, the muscles of the thigh region here, and it also continues down here around the leg region. The, the term curl refers to leg, so this is the envelope of fascia around the leg. This would be then an envelope of fascia here around the thigh region. It's referred to as the fascia lata. Or, so it's a complete envelope of dents of fascia going around all the muscles in the, in the thigh area. And as we mentioned before, you need to have a hole in that fascia in order to allow the great saphenous vein to empty into the femoral vein. The lateral aspect of it over here is reinforced. Most of the fibers within this package are going around. They're circular, going around the thigh. But we do have a reinforcing on the lateral side here of those fibers. It forms the iliotibial band along, or iliotibial tract along the side. And it's going to give us uh, lateral support to the knee joint because it'll come down and attach onto the tibia. That's why you get the iliotibial. And if we take another look at it from a different viewpoint, here would be the design of the iliotibial band coming down the lateral side here. Very thick band with the fibers traveling up and down. They're traveling north-south instead of going around. Comes down and attaches onto the little spot on the tibia down here. This would be then a thickening of that fascia lata. And it's very distinct. I mean, even if, you're st if, you, have, if you knew nothing about the dissection and you started to dissect this area, you would never take this particular structure and just discard it as fascia that needs to be removed before we can get to something else. It is very thick and it's very coarse and it forms a, a very distinct la a band down the lateral side. That's the iliotibial tract. We are going to end up, when we look at it, for a couple of muscles that will run into that band, 
our gluteus maximus muscle will run into it, and we have a small muscle up at the top here which will also run into it, and the tensor fascia lata muscle will run into the iliotibial band. Well, once again, that would be then superficial when looking at the region of the thigh. So, just in general, then, on the very bottom of the page, you notice that the muscles that are on the front of the thigh are uh, the quadricep muscle group. For the most part, they're going to be responsible for uh, pulling on the patella and extending your knee, and they're going to be innervated by the femoral nerve. When we looked at the, when we look at the um, plexus here, the lumbar plexus, this femoral nerve will give us uh, the supply to the quadricep muscle group. Muscles that are on the medial side of the thigh are going to be fundamentally adductors. They'll do a couple of other things to the hip, but they're mainly adductors, and they're going to be, for the most part, uh, innervated by the obturator nerve, which is the, this nerve coming off the lumbar plexus. And the muscles that are on the back side will be the hamstring muscle group. And the hamstring muscle group will be innervated, if we go over to the opposite side of this picture, they'll be innervated by this large sciatic nerve. The sciatic nerve is the major, one of the major nerves that, are going, that will be uh, come out of this sacral plexus over here. Nerves that are going to come off the spinal cord and go through the uh, anterior sacral foramina are going to help form this sciatic nerve, and it'll be the supplier for the hamstring muscles. Uh, and the hamstrings are biarticulate. They cross behind the hip joint, and they cross behind the knee joint, so they extend the hip, and they flex the knee. So that's our overall general look at, at the design of it. And then you have some of my hand-drawn pictures, so you can flip through those. You can label those, or you can play around with those if you want, but that's... All right. So that's where we are. We've taken care of the cutaneous things, the veins and the nerves. So now we'll start to take a look at some of the muscles. A couple of muscles here, the iliopsoas muscle group, made up of two muscles, made up of the psoas major and the iliacus. Sometimes they'll bundle those two together to call them the iliopsoas group. The psoas major will come from the lumbar vertebrae. The iliacus comes from the iliac fossa, which is the inside surface of the ilium. Both of them are going to go underneath the inguinal ligament. They travel downwards, backwards, and a little laterally. You can see they have a fairly common attachment to the lesser trochanter of the femur down here. They cross in front of the hip joint, so they'll be our major hip flexors. Anytime you want to flex your hip, you, want to, you will recruit the psoas major and the iliacus muscles in the, in the process of flexing your hip. Okay. So psoas major and iliacus. Now, we go back up and take a look at the design of that. The psoas major is going to, come off, going to be innervated by its own little nerve coming off of the lumbar plexus. So that's what that represents. That represents the nerve supply to the psoas major. So it has its own separate nerve supply. A couple, of a couple of muscles that we're going to look at will have their own separate little nerve coming off uh, to supply them. And this, is, this will be one. That will be then the supplier for the psoas major muscle. The iliacus is thought to be innervated through a bundle coming off the femoral. So there would be my supply for the iliacus. Here's my supply for the psoas major muscle. Both innervated through bundles coming off of the lumbar plexus with the iliacus said to come off a, a branch or, of the femoral. So when you look at the nerve innervation for the iliacus, you'll call it femoral. When you look at the nerve innervation for the psoas major muscle, you'll simply call it nerve to the psoas major. And so those two would give us then the nerve innervation for those, those two muscles. Okay. Then, 
we have a, I mentioned a muscle that's going to come off of the, uh, the, the ilium, the crest of the ilium, and it's going to run into this iliotibial tract or band. It's called the tensor fascia lata muscle. Comes from the crest of the ilium. There's a little tubercle up there for it to attach to. Runs into the iliotibial band. It will put tension on the band. That will be one thing that it can do. And that tension, in fact, will now help us stabilize the lateral aspect of the knee. It will give some support to the lateral side of the knee by doing that. It is a muscle that will allow you to assist in abducting the hip and moving the hip outward. And the tensor fascial lata muscle here is going to be innervated by the superior gluteal nerve. And that's not going to mean anything at the moment. There's another look at the tensor fascial lata muscle running into that iliotibial band or tract there. So, just to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit, this is a look at that sacral plexus that I had on the other picture that was on the, as we looked at it, was on the right side. Here's a look at the sacral plexus coming around here. Major nerve off the sacral plexus that's going to travel down the back of the thigh is going to be the sciatic nerve. That's this one. The sciatic nerve is going to be made up or combination of a part of it will be the tibial nerve and part of it will be the common peroneal nerve. And so when we get down to the back of the knee, these two components of that sciatic nerve will split and go their own way. We'll see that when we get down that far. But you can see here that we're going to end up with, off the sacral plexus, a superior gluteal nerve. Coming off this way. That superior gluteal nerve will be the nerve that goes to supply the tensor fascia lata muscle. That's where it's coming from. If I've done this right. This is a look at, we've taken off the gluteus maximus. We have um, split apart the gluteus medius. Here's the gluteus minimus, which we'll look at. I'm only putting this in to give you an idea of the terminology. And so we end up back here deep to all that with a series of six muscles that come deep to the gluteal muscles. They're called lateral rotators of the hip. They turn the hip outward. And the major muscle, one of the major muscles in that package is a muscle called the piriformis, which we'll look at. Comes from the front of the sacrum, comes across and attaches onto the greater trochanter. So there's the piriformis muscle poking out the greater sciatic foramen around here. The greater sciatic notch here is made into a foramen, which we'll see in a, in a while, by a ligament attachment. So it makes it a complete circle. So sometimes you can refer to that as the greater sciatic foramen because of the ligament attachment completes the, completes the notch and makes it into a hole or a circle. Anyway, the piriformis muscle pokes out of that and attaches onto the greater trochanter. The piriformis muscle is going to serve as a landmark. So coming off of that sacral plexus and coming out the greater sciatic above the level of the piriformis will be the superior gluteal nerve because it's coming out above the piriformis muscle. The superior gluteal nerve is going to be a nerve that will supply the tensor fascia lata muscle. It will also supply, when we get to it, the gluteus medius and the gluteus minimus muscles will also be supplied by the superior gluteal. And you can see, where to put it? Coming off below the level of the piriformis, we're going to end up with an inferior gluteal nerve because it comes off below. Still goes through the greater sciatic uh, foramen or notch, and this is the one we use to supply the gluteus maximus muscle, the inferior gluteal. So that's where the terminology comes, superior and inferior gluteals. Relative position of the piriformis muscle, one comes out above and one comes out below. And the superior gluteal nerve is the nerve that's going to supply in, uh, the tensor fascia lata muscle. So all that is just to give you an idea that this small little muscle here coming from the crest of the ilium and running then into the iliotibial band and tract here 
will be innervated by a nerve called the superior gluteal, and that's where the terminology comes from. And its major responsibility will be, along with the, uh, uh, the middle gluteal and the, and the minimus, it's an abductor of the hip, allowing you to move your hip outward, away from the midline. That's its first. Okay. All right. So now we're still on the front. Sartorius muscle is this one. Now, in this picture, they have cut it away so they, you, it shows other muscles deeper. But I've drawn it in here, the rest of it. Here's the sartorius. Comes from the anterior superior iliac spine, comes diagonally across the front of the, the thigh, on the, and then on the medial side, comes around this way, and eventually attaches onto the tibia just below the um, medial condyle of the tibia down here. And that long, skinny muscle, not very powerful because of its length, is to term the sartorius muscle. It'll be innervated by the femoral nerve. Femoral nerve does the sartorius. And it crosses in front of the hip joints here, so you can know it will help to flex the hip. Coming around this way. It does cross behind the knee joint, so it'll help to flex the knee. It's not really as important as others for flexing the knee. And because it's coming from outside in, it will laterally rotate or turn the hip outward. You get lateral rotation of the hip, you'll get some flexing of the hip, and you'll get some flexing of the knee, contracting of the sartorius muscle. This long muscle coming across this way and attaching onto the tibia on the medial side, just below the condyle of the tibia, the articulating surface on the tibia here. That would be then the sartorius, innervated by the femoral nerve. That would be that one. Very superficial, coming across that way. Okay. That's our sartorius. Now, on the front of the thigh region here, we have the quadricep muscle group. Uh, all of the quadricep muscles will be innervated through branches or twigs coming off the femoral nerve. That will be its responsibility. The one in the middle is the rectus femoris. The rectus femoris starts here above the level of the hip, comes from the anterior uh, inferior spine of the ilium. It also picks up a little bit of attachment from around the edge uh, of the acetabulum. I didn't include that in the notes, but if you take a look at the design here, we're looking at the hip, it, there and there are giving you the attachment for the rectus femoris. I've only included this one that came from the anterior inferior. Don't worry about the one that comes from the, the, the top rim of the acetabulum. It's not in the notes. It comes from this area then of the, uh, on the hip. That would be the rectus femoris. So the rectus femoris is the midline one coming down this way. Rectus femoris then will have its uh, uh, patella or kneecap embedded in, its, in the tendon of the rectus femoris. And the patella in turn will attach onto the tibial tuberosity by either the, whatever they want to talk, call it, the patella tendon or sometimes the patella ligament. It doesn't matter. They're two terms for the same thing. And that one then will be innervated through branches or twigs coming off the femoral nerve. It does cross in front of the hip joint, so it will assist in flexing the hip. And it's going to pull on the patella. The patella then will ride up, and you'll get extending of the knee. The vastus medialis over on the medial side comes from the, the, the medial lip of the linea aspera. If you look on the back of the, should have it here somewhere. Look on the back of a femur, there's a very distinct ridge across down the back here. Well, from the medial lip of that and coming around and attaching will be the vastus medialis muscle. And from the lateral lip of the linea aspera coming around over on the lateral side will be the vastus lateralis muscle. And once again, both of those are going to um, have their tendon here, have the patella embedded into the 
the, into the, their tendon of attachment, and then once again, through the uh, patella ligament, patella ligament will attach onto the tibial tuberosity, and will get uh, knee extension, extending out of the vastus medialis and the vastus uh, lateralis. They don't cross the hip joint, they start below the hip, so they have nothing to do with hip movement. They will then pull on the patella, the patella then rides up, and you get knee extending. The vastus intermedialis will be right behind the rectus femoris. So if we took the rectus femoris away, and you can see from this picture, here would be our intermedialis. There's the femur there. Rectus femoris is superficial, and the vastus intermedialis is deep, coming right from the front shaft of the femur. And once again, the attachment would be through the um, patella, and the patella once again onto the tibial tuberosity. So the vastus intermedialis here would be doing the same thing as the vastus lateralis did on this side, and the vastus medialis did on this side, and the rectus femoris with respect to the knee joint. They're all knee extenders because they're going to uh, pull on the patella, and the patella in turn will then pull on the, on the tibia, and you'll get knee extending. All innervated through the femoral nerve, right? So that would then take care of the quadricep muscle group. The only one in the group that crosses the, the hip joint is the rectus. It would be then a biarticulate muscle. It would then be able to flex the hip joint, assist in flexing the hip joint, and it would also, with, a, with the other uh, quads, it will then also extend the knee joint. And all done through the femoral nerve. Okay. Then on the lateral side, coming from the kind of the bottom rim of the, uh, uh, that forms the margin of the obturator foramen will be the gracilis muscle. We'll take a look at the hip bone again. Here's my gracilis here, coming from this rim of the bottom edge of the rim of the obturator foramen. If you take a look at the design down here, we have the pubic bone sits here, and the body of the pubis will be here. The pubic bone has a superior ramus, which comes up this way, and it has an inferior ramus, which goes this way, coming like this. The ischium back here has their ischial tuberosity back here, and it has a ramus which comes forward this way. The ramus of the ischium comes and meets the inferior ramus of the pubis. That forms all of this bone. Now, sometimes they will refer to this region here as the conjoint ramus. It's the, it's the meeting of the two rami. The inferior ramus of the pubis coming one way and the ramus of the ischium coming the other way. And you can see that the gracilis muscle comes from that conjoint ramus region here. That's where it's picking up its attachment. And then the gracilis muscle will now come down the medial side at the same depth, the same level as the, um, as the sartorius muscle. And it has a common attachment onto the medial side of the tibia as the sartorius. We're going to end up down here with three things attaching. Uh, we've done two so far. We've done the sartorius and we've done the gracilis. They have a very common attachment here to the medial side of the tibia. Now the gracilis does cross in front of the hip joint, so it would assist in hip flexing. It's on the medial side, so it would be an adductor. It would bring the hip in towards the midline. Right? And it's going to be with the, um, consistent with all the other adductors, except for one, it's going to be innervated through the obturator nerve. Um, and, I don't know, do we need to do that? Uh, did I do that? No, I didn't. Obturator nerve, we go back and take a look at it. I'll look at it this way. Here's our obturator nerve coming here. The obturator nerve coming as part of the lumbar plexus is going to go through 
The obturator frame is covered with a membrane, but it's got a hole in it because it has to allow nerves and arteries to go through. An there will be an obturator artery. And so here we have the obturator nerve traveling down the medial side of the thigh. For the most part, the obturator nerve will innervate most of the adductors of the thigh. Not all of them, but most of them. And so the gracilis is one of those ones that will be innervated through the operator. Okay? Oops. So there's the gracilis. Flexing the hip, uh, the adducts does cross behind the knee joint, so it would flex the knee as well. If we go up to the very top and start working at these, looking at these adductors, the first one up is this small one called the pectineus muscle. Pectineus muscle? That's this little guy here. Um, easy one to remember the origin and the insertion for because the pectineus muscle comes from the pectineal line on the superior ramus of the pubis, which is that area just kind of up above from where the uh, tubercle on the pubis is. There's a fairly distinct little ridge on the superior ramus of the pubis that give, it's called the pectineal line. And that's going to give us the attachment for the pectineus muscle. That's the, that's the origin for the muscle. And the insertion for the muscle, just underneath the lesser trochanter, we have a fairly distinct little ridge called the pectineal line or spiral line. Comes across this way, kind of twists a little bit, so it's referred to as the spiral line or pectineal line. And that will be then the attachment for the pectineus on the, um, on the femur along that pectineal line there. So it's an easy one to remember. It comes from the pectineal line of the pubis to the pectineal line of the femur. Small muscle, you can see it's going to be an adductor. It's going to cross in front of the hip joint so it would assist in hip flexing. Its major responsibility would be for adducting, bringing the hip in towards the midline. And it will be innervated in most people by the femoral nerve, which is a, goes against the, the rule that adductors are mostly are innervated through the obturator. So the femoral nerve will, in most people will do the pectineus muscle in its responsibility. Then if we come down a little bit further, you'll notice here, pretty close, we go down and take a look at our picture of our hip again, pretty close to the body of the pubis will be the origin or the attachment of the adductor longus. This is a pretty busy area around here. So the adductor longus, this whole area re region here is the body of the pubis, so that area there would be the attachment for the adductor longus, okay? And then the adductor longus is going to come across and maybe attach to the middle third linea aspera of the femur, middle portion here, middle third area here, will be the attachment of the adductor longus coming across this way. And once again, it's going to cross in front of the hip so it would assist in flexing. It's an adductor, so it'll bring the hip in towards the midline. That'll be its responsibility. And it will be innervated through the operator nerve. That's consistent with uh, the adductors innervated through the operator. That's the adductor longus muscle coming across this way. Okay. And then tucked up a little bit behind it, you can see an adductor brevis, a little bit shorter. Once again, if we go back and take a look at our quite similar attachment here to that conjoint ramus, pretty busy area attaching here. So from the hip bone in this region, we'll have the adductor brevis. It sits behind the adductor longus, doesn't quite come down as far on the backside of the femur as the longus. It's a little bit shorter. And you can see it's tucked up behind, and here's the brevis here coming and attaching to the linea aspera, um, a little bit above the attachment for the adductor longus. Still innervated through the operator nerve. Uh, still does cross in front of the hip, so it would assist in flexing. And it's on the medial side, so it would be an adductor. Same story. That would be the adductor longus. Adductor brevis, pectineus. We've done those things. All right. 
And so then the next thing, how are we doing for time? Oh, not too bad. Next thing we need to do is, well, we need to describe those muscles because we're going to look at those when we're looking at this region. We'll leave the adductors for now and uh, we'll take a look at an area referred to as the femoral triangle. The femoral triangle is a triangular region. It has as its boundaries across the top the inguinal ligament. So this schematically is my inguinal ligament across here. And the lateral boundary will be the medial edge of the sartorius muscle coming across and the medial boundary of the of triangular space will be the medial edge of the adductor longus coming in this way. This little darker one here is supposed to be, the, this is the adductor brevis. So we have then the medial boundary will be the medial edge of the adductor longus, the lateral boundary will be the sartorius and you notice the two of them are going to come together at an apex here and the top base of the triangular region up here will be the inguinal ligament. Runs from the anterior superior iliac spine to the tubercle on the pubis coming across this way. That would then give us that space called the femoral triangle. And you can see the floor of the triangle will include the adductor longus. Some do and some do not include the adductor brevis. Now in this case the person's kind of shown it kind of peeking through here. I don't think I put that in the notes as belonging to the floor of it. Pectineus muscle here our psoas major muscle here and our iliacus muscle here are going to give us then the floor to this femoral triangle. You will find some, and I don't know whether I can find a picture of it, that will think, will say that, and let's see whether, I'm going to have to find one or not. Oh, maybe go the other way. That's, that they will include, uh, a little bit of the vastus medialis in it. Most don't, some do. You see, here's our vastus medialis coming up this way. And they've taken the sartorius away, so here's the vastus medialis here. It's kind of touch and go as to whether or not the top end of that medialis will be in the femoral triangle or not. What did I have in the notes, yes or no? Up at the top there, does it say it? It does, okay, iffy. You might not come across it uh, in other descriptions. Um, but you see, if we took the inguinal ligament across here, and we took the medial boundary of the sartorius here, and our adductor longus the, here, femoral triangle would go like this, and like this, and up like this. Some indicate that this very top edge of the vastus medialis might also help to form part of the floor. So here we have the floor would be the adductor longus, here's our adductor brevis, poking through here, pectineus muscle here, and then uh, over here, they haven't shown this, the psoas nor the um, iliacus over here. So you can give or take on the vastus medialis, depend upon what you like. Uh, some do, some don't. Give it as a component of the design of that femoral triangle region. Okay. And then what you're going to find in this region, things that w will be there, will, incl will include, and here's another look at the femoral um, artery and the femoral vein in the very top part of that triangular region because they're right underneath the inguinal ligament coming around that way. Here's another look at it. Here's my sartorius coming across this way and adductor longus coming this way. Here's the great saphenous vein coming up this way and going through an opening in that fascia to dump into the femoral vein. Here is the femoral vein here just before it after it has kind of gone underneath the inguinal ligament, 
coming across this way. Here's the femoral artery here. Femoral nerve, which is the one that went to supply the sartorius and the um, vasti muscles, and the rectus femoris here. The artery and the vein are encased in a fascial envelope, a fascial sheath, called the femoral sheath. It goes around the vein and it goes around the artery. You notice the vein is medial to the artery in this position. The sheath doesn't go around the nerve. The nerve's excluded from the sheath. Over here, still within the sheath, we have a little pocket. This little pocket over here, just medial to the femoral vein, is referred to as the femoral canal. That's this little space here. And within that femoral canal, we're going to end up with, uh, when we see at the very end, we're going to end up with deep lymph nodes. So that's what these little green things represent. They represent deep lymph nodes located way in that, reg in that inguinal region. So we end up with a sheath that goes around the vein and the artery. The vein is medial to the artery. The sheath does not include the nerve. We have a space still within that sheath, medial to the vein, that's the canal. And within the canal, we're going to end up with uh, some deep lymph nodes, which we'll look at at the very end of, the, of our discussion. So this is kind of a blow up then of the design of that, of that femoral triangular region with the sartorius coming this way, the adductor longus coming this way. We can't see where they meet down here. And we have then tracking this way, the femoral artery is going to travel down and we're going to travel back up this way with the femoral vein coming this way and the great saphenous vein emptying into the femoral just before we get to the inguinal ligament coming around that way. Um, no, I'm going to do that. I need to go back further for there. Go back this way. Let's just review what we had. We have the aorta coming down on the arterial side. We get to about the level of the fourth lumbar vertebrae. We split the aorta into two: a right and left common iliac artery, one for the right side, one for the left side. Common iliac artery will divide into two: an external and an internal. And we'll find and take a look at some of the splits on the uh, divisions of the internal here. The external iliac artery will come here. Once the external iliac artery crosses underneath the inguinal ligament, once it crosses that boundary, on the other side of it, it'll be the femoral artery. So the femoral artery is the continuation of the external iliac. We will then, we will also look at the, the split and some of the divisions off of the internal iliac as well when we get to that area. So here's, here's my femoral artery coming this way. Still within the femoral triangular region, The femoral artery will give off a very large artery, the deep femoral artery, much the same as we had in the uh, brachial, give off the deep brachial which went behind the, the humerus. Same kind of idea here. We're going to end up with a major branch coming off the femoral. Within the femoral triangular region, it's referred to as the, um, as the deep femoral coming this way. And there's a look at the deep femoral. They haven't put the femoral artery in at all. Here's the deep femoral here, coming this way. Deep femoral will give off a couple of arteries. We'll give off more than a couple, but here's our, here two. A lateral circumflex artery will go around the head, the neck, I guess, of the, of the femur around this way. It's going to go underneath the sartorius and underneath the rectus femoris laterally, coming across that way. And then the other one will be the medial circumflex, which kind of turns and goes back 
goes between the pectineus muscle and the iliopsoas muscle and travels across the back surface of the neck of the femur. So those are two of the major branches coming off the deep femoral, the lateral and medial circumflex coming around this way and, come, and the medial one heads more medially, goes back around this way, goes between the pectineus muscle and the, and the iliopsoas to track behind the neck of the femur and the lateral circumflex travels across the front underneath the sartorius, underneath the rectus as it goes underneath the vet, and, and gives arterial supply here. So those are two of the major branches coming off of, the, off of that deep femoral. Here's another look at the same thing here. On this, here's, here's my femoral artery, coming, the major artery here. We had it coming underneath the inguinal ligament, coming across this way. Right. And then when, if you take a look at it, here's the femoral artery, the big one coming down. Gives off the deep femoral, which is this guy. Deep femoral will go behind the adductor longus as it travels down. So here's the, the deep femoral traveling uh, posterior to the adductor longus, coming around this way. And then the deep femoral will give off a lateral circumflex, which comes across the front this way, and a medial circumflex, as you can see, which goes around the back of the neck or area of the, of the femur here. So that's the medial one traveling across the back surface, and here's the lateral one traveling across the front surface, and here's the continuation of the deep femoral traveling behind the adductor longus muscle coming this way. Now what as it passes down, what it's going to do is going to, it will give off these series of three or four perforating branches. These are branches that are going to perforate through large muscle um, on the back of the, attached to the back of the femur, which we haven't done yet, the adductor magnus. The adductor magnus is this large muscle here. It's going to stretch all the way from the top to the, almost to the bottom of the femur. And we will end up with openings in its attachment that will allow perforating branches of the deep femoral to supply this back area of the thigh region. And here you can see some of the perforating branches going through the attachment of the adductor magnus coming across this way. So the deep femoral will end up with three things that we're interested in. Medial circumflex heading back around behind top portion of the femur, lateral circumflex coming across the front, and then as it travels down behind the adductor magnus, it'll have a series of three or four perforating branches that will go through the openings of the adductor magnus and help to supply the back side of the posterior side of the, um, of the thigh region. That would be then the continuation of that, of the, uh, deep, the deep femoral artery. Now you can see some of the perforating branches there coming from, in, mid, in the middle picture, coming from the, uh, from the deep femoral. Uh, they've shown just one perforating branch here, the first one coming off here, which will then help to supply the back portion of the thigh region. And we still have the medial and lateral circumflex coming around here. Okay. And that's probably not a bad spot. All right.